Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Uncensored Empath, a place for us to discuss highly sensitive energy, illness, healing, and transformation. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Think of this podcast as your no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship. You'll get straight to the point, totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing and growth journey right beside you. This is a Soul Fire production. I'm so excited for my guest today, George Lizos. George and I have been connected for several years now and have been able to witness each other grow and expand and scale our mission and our message. George is a powerful spiritual teacher, an intuitive the author of Be the Guru and his brand new book called Lightworkers Gotta Work. He's also the co creator of Elemental Healing and host of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast, which I've had the pleasure of being on in the past. He is here to help lightworkers find their life purpose and work their light in real, palpable ways that create positive change in the world. Today's conversation between myself and George really goes into what it means to be on this ascension journey, what it means to be a light worker, and how the shadow also plays into that and that we cannot have the light without the dark. We talk a lot about the divine masculine and feminine as well as psychic protection, which is so important for all of you empaths listening. George is just just such a pleasure to be in his energy. I know you guys are going to catch on to that right away when you start to hear his voice and experience him on the show today. Let's get started. So many of you have been asking what the cute glasses that I keep wearing on my Instagram story lately are. And while I do have prescription glasses, these are blue blocking glasses. And I just got off the phone with the CEO of this amazing company called Blue Blocks. And three years ago, Andy, the CEO and his wife started this company because they were just noticing that there are literally hundreds of thousands of cheap, cheap, cheap blue blocking glasses that you can get on Amazon, but they really didn't feel the quality was up to standard. And many of those glasses, you guys, many of those glasses don't actually block blue lights, (laughs) especially not the specific uh, light spectrums that peer-reviewed studies say that you should block in order to actually get the benefit from blue blocking glasses. 
So they sent 20 pairs of glasses out for testing and found out none actually covered the spectrum of blue light that was recommended based on these peer-reviewed articles. Their glasses are also made at optics labs in Australia versus factories in China. And because they're created and manufactured in optics labs, they can also offer prescription glasses that include blue blocking technology, whereas most of the glasses that you would see on Amazon are just a standard plastic lens. And that can make such a difference. So I love these glasses. I've noticed a difference personally in the way especially I'm able to sleep and fall asleep at night. I had tried two previous pairs of other brands, blue blocking glasses, and not seen the actual change in sleep quality. Blue Blocks and I have partnered to offer you 15% off your frame and lens of choice. They also have free global worldwide shipping, which is freaking amazing for those of us in the U.S. because they are shipped from Australia. All you got to do is go over to Blue Blocks. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com and use the code empath at checkout for 15% off your pair of lenses. Welcome to the show, George. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's so wonderful to be here. So we've been connected for a while and it's been so much fun, I think, to just watch your journey and you now have a book coming out and there is just so much happening in the world and it is so perfect for what is happening in the world because it is all about lightworkers. It's called Lightworkers Gotta Work. So I'm curious, I'd like to start today's conversation by just asking you, what have you been noticing as far as paradigm shifts, energetic changes during this time? What, what do you see? You know what? I have been, my, I was honored to study the earth from both a scientific perspective and a spiritual one in, in that I have a bachelor's degree in, in geography. So what my geography professors always used to tell me is that it's not about saving planet earth. It's about saving the human race because the earth has been here for thousands, billions of years, Mm -hmm. and it's always managed to survive. It has systems in process Mm -hmm. to ensure it flushes out impurities and and, and, and maintain her balance. Mm -hmm. So I feel what we're going through right now is just a way for the earth to keep finding her balance, even if that means kicking us out in the process, because we spent so many years just abusing the earth. So the earth is just maintaining her balance. So this is what I feel has been going on. And I'm actually so grateful that my book is coming out during this time because it is this message for lightworkers, come back to the earth mm-hmm. to reestablish our connection with nature and partner up with nature's wisdom and the elementals and all these beautiful energies so that we can protect nature, work with her, but at the same time, ensure that we thrive as well and we get to create the heaven on earth that we have been promised and that we came here to create. Mm -hmm. I've been noticing so many lightworkers are feeling called to step into a new path or into their purpose or really step up to serve right now. Have you been noticing this? And also, who do you feel are the lightworkers of the world or how would you define that? Yes. So I define a light worker as anyone who has this need to help make the world a better place by being in it. However, in the book, in Light Workers Gotta Work, I coin a new term of light workers that I call Ascension Light Workers. Now, Ascension Light Workers are in, a breed of light workers that consist of old, mature souls mm-hmm. who have been incarnating over thousands of years for the purpose of ascending the energy of the earth, upgrading the earth's software, and helping us transition into this new paradigm, this new golden age, or the age of Aquarius, or the new earth. There are so many different terms for it. So how do we know if we are ascension lightworkers? There are two essential characteristics. Firstly, they have a strong sense of purpose, and they've had that strong sense of purpose since their childhood. So whenever I talk to Ascension Lightworkers, they're like, oh, I remember myself as a kid. I'm just like, everybody's like playing and just having fun. And I'm just wondering, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? Like, (laughs) they have a strong sense of purpose. And the second characteristic 
is that their sense of purpose extends beyond the personal sphere to encompass the entire world. Mm -hmm. So they are not here to master life on earth. They've mastered life on earth over their hundreds, if not thousands of previous lifetimes. Mm -hmm. They are here to revolutionize life on earth, mm -hmm. to ascend the way things are done, mm -hmm. so we can create this more loving, kind, peaceful world that we're here to create. Mm -hmm. Now, the word... Uh, shadow worker, more of the dark realm uh, comes up from time to time too. How do you distinguish between the light worker, the shadow worker? Do you feel like we can be both? Do you feel like we're one or the other? I think we are both. I think all light workers are shadow workers because the whole point of being a light worker is not to be happy 24-7, is to be willing to do the inner work needed to heal all the traumas that we've accumulated over hundreds of lifetimes heal them and bring them into the light. And it's so funny you bring this up because during this coronavirus situation that we're going on at the time of this recording, I feel that many light workers are triggered in the sense that because we spend so many lifetimes being persecuted as witches and healers and having to suppress our voice and having that be suppressed right now mm -hmm. is triggering up all those past life traumas. So this is the time when we're called to be shadow workers mm -hmm. and realize, you know what? Yes, I feel persecuted right now, or I feel like I'm being suppressed because of what's going on in the world, but I'm showing up to recognize that mm -hmm. this is just something from the past. This is just a generational trauma that I've just, um, I'm experiencing right now. And I choose to go beyond this. And I choose to use this as an opportunity mm -hmm. to teach a message of love. Yeah. I noticed that in my own life right now, there's so much shadow that's been rippling up to the surface and yeah. I've been doing a lot of work to process like old, old anger. I'm like, where did this even come from? Yeah. But there's these old emotions that are just coming up and they're asking to be healed and asking to be shed. And they're actually being shed quite easily when I give them the, the space to, to feel it and then to move through it. And I almost feels like we're going at quantum speed right now. Like we are on hyperspeed and just transforming and evolving so quickly during this time, especially when so many of us are at home, regardless of whether you're super busy or you have tons of free time, we're at home. So we just, I think, naturally start to feel more with less distraction in the world. And so I'm curious to hear from you, what do you feel like are some of these obstacles that were holding back all these light workers from stepping into their light that now maybe they're more able to see with clarity, clear vision, oh, this is my purpose or, ooh, I was on the wrong path and now it's time to change. What were the obstacles you think were holding us back? I think the biggest obstacle that I experienced when, we, when I talk to light workers and something I, I address like in detail in Light Workers Gotta Work <laughs> is the effect that patriarchy has had on us. Now, patriarchy is this abuse of masculine energy that has existed for the past 6,000 years. Yeah. And it's created this uh, culture of struggle and hassle and pushing forward, which has caused us to disconnect from this balance between masculine and feminine energy. So over so many different uh, lifetimes, light workers have had this a sense of balance be suppressed from patriarchy. Some have chosen to suppress their feminine energy and just go full on masculine and abuse their masculine energy. Some have chosen to be totally in their feminine and therefore procrastinate. Now, the purpose of Ascension Lightworkers right now is to help find this balance. So that's why we're seeing the goddess revolution and the divine feminine is rising and so many different beautiful movements helping the divine feminine gain its rightful position next to the divine masculine. However, I feel that sometimes many light workers, in their passion and in their um, urge and drive to help the divine feminine rise, they're vilifying the divine masculine, which may yeah. create a completely different imbalance where we create a matriarchal world that I don't think will bring the balance we, we, we want. It's just going to create yet another imbalance with different types of distractions. So when I talk about, I distinguish between working our light and nurturing our light. 
So many light workers say, oh, I'm working my light. And all they're doing is meditating, doing yoga, just doing all the feminine activities. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Invest time in your spiritual practice, in feminine activities. Mm-hmm. Let yourself receive that guidance, but then take that guidance and put it to action. Mm-hmm. Do podcasts, create courses, write books, get your message out there. Just take all those ideas and express them in a physical way. So to come back to your question, what I feel the biggest struggle is, lightworkers, A, don't know their life purpose. They define it in in a very specific, sorry, general terms. Oh, my life purpose is to help make the world a better place. And I'm like, duh, that is our lightworker collective purpose. And then the second obstacle is they either procrastinate too much because they over-depend too much on the universe and therefore on feminine energy or they abuse their masculine energy because we live in a world that perpetuates and encourages that. Yeah. So really the aim here, the way we heal is not is yes, to help the feminine rise, but do this by embracing the masculine energy and using masculine energy to support mm-hmm. the feminine. Mm-hmm. So this is how we bring the two together and we create the balanced world that we came here to create. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that so much. And I've had my own journey with trying to find that balance between masculine and feminine and in letting my own feminine rise, not vilifying the masculine, like you were saying. George, I like imagine you coming out of the womb being this light worker and like being who you are like always. But I want to hear a little bit about (laughs) you're already shaking your head. That's not how I came out of the womb. So I want to hear how you were able to find your purpose in this world and what your journey looks like a little bit to be the light worker you are today. Oh gosh, are you ready for the story? <laughs> so <laughs> let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to George being a five-year-old kid, just standing in a field of yellow daisies, <laughs> looking up at the sky and being like, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? Like I was the weird kid I write about. Okay. So because, and by the way, I grew up in a very conservative society. I grew up on an island in Cyprus, in Europe. And what, like with like small societies and, um, and conservative societies, people tend to be very judgmental. They expect you to be a certain way. They expect you to fit within certain stereotypes. So from a very young age, being different, feeling different, I got a bullet a lot at school. And I felt this need that I constantly had to change who I was for the purpose of fitting in and being accepted. So I strive to be the perfect student at school, the perfect citizen in society, the perfect son for my parents. So you can imagine how I felt when at the age of 13 years old, I found out I was gay. Now, at the time, homosexuality was considered to be a criminal offense. Gay people were considered to be criminals and pedophiles. There was no way I could take on yet another label, like along with all the other labels that I had on me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm just going to approach this in the same way I approached anything else in life. I'm going to change myself from gay to straight one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I enter the two most debilitating years of my life. Two years, every single day, I would try to monitor the way I walked, the way I talked, the way I thought trying to make me straight. I even try to monitor like my thoughts and try to fantasize about women to make me straight. And two years later, when I couldn't change who I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and decided, okay, I'm just going to do everybody a favor and just take my own life. And it was just before I did that. I actually wrote a letter to my parents. I took the first two pills. And just when I surrendered all the resistance, that's when the answer I was always searching for that had always been available to me, but I couldn't see because I was resisting it, became available to me. And that, that, that answer was very simple. Just fuck what people say, fuck what society thinks, and just learn to love and accept yourself exactly as you are. And you know what, Sarah? I had no idea how to love myself. Because all I experienced was self-loathing, all all I experienced was self-judgment. But, you know, when you're willing to change, when you're willing to do something, that's when the universe steps in to support you. So that's when I discovered spirituality. 
Feng Shui showed up and Louise Hay and meditation and all these like magical spiritual modalities that taught me to love myself, give myself, forgive my bullies and empower myself. So that took like an eight year journey when I felt empowered. I'm like, great. I escaped patriarchy. I am no longer like, um, I, I no longer need other people to, to feel accepted and supported. So I, I need to do this in the world right now. I need to help others to do the same. And that's when I wrote my first book, Be the Guru, a step-by-step guide to becoming your own spiritual teacher, which is all about freeing yourself from dependence, from other people, from, from support, from other people's acceptance. I'm like, okay, great. I, I healed. I'm enlightened. <laughs> but five years later, I found myself in yet another interesting situation. I had thought I escaped patriarchy because, like, like, listen to what happened. We have patriarchy, therefore the abuse of masculine energy, trying to take on my own life because I was suppressing my feminine. So we have masculine against feminine. That has always been part of my life. Now, five years later, I found myself in London working a full-time job while working on my spiritual business part-time. And as you usually do when you run your own business part-time, you need to dedicate all your free time to that business. So that meant I would work from nine to five, go home, start working on my own thing until midnight and do the same thing the following day. All my weekends were also dedicated to my business, which meant I had no social life, I had no love life, I had no free time to myself. Three years of this masochistic schedule later, I found myself 10 kilos more, like I had gained so much weight. I had a serious case of eczema and psoriasis on my whole body, and I was mildly depressed until one morning I woke up intending to go to work, but my body just wouldn't move. I had exhausted my body to such a degree that it burned out completely. I'm like, oh my God something needs to change. And that's when I realized patriarchy had failed to kill me back then, Mm -hmm. but it was killing me subversively and slowly and gradually right now. That's when I realized how, how much patriarchy is embedded into who we are, into the way we run our world. Mm -hmm. So long story short, now around that time, Whenever I would do a past life regression, I would see myself being a prostitute. I'm like, what's up with all the prostitute past lives? Something's there for me to release. So I went to Glastonbury, a very magical town in the UK, and I did a past life regression with a therapist. And I went back to the first lifetime that I incarnated as a prostitute. And what happened was uh, I, I went pregnant with one of my clients, with one of my clients. And when he found out, He stabbed me in the womb, killing the baby. So we have patriarchy again, killing feminine energy. So from that lifetime onwards, I vowed to always suppress my feminine and abuse my masculine energy. So lifetime after lifetime, I would do that. In this lifetime, I tried to kill myself because I couldn't accept my feminine energy. And even when I didn't do that, it was still killing me like very gradually because I was overworking myself. So that's when I realized I have to find the balance between feminine energy, specifically, I need to embrace feminine energy more. And then I heard something that didn't make sense at the time, but felt true, which was, George, you're supposed to find the feminine from within the masculine. Mm. And it was only after I transition to paganism and specifically Greek paganism. And I studied how the ancient Greeks had honored the two energies that I figured out the two energies, masculine and feminine, are just two sides of the same coin. Because when you're truly balancing your feminine energy, you're using inspired guidance from that energy to take action. So there is masculine energy within the feminine. And when you are not abusing masculine energy and you're using it in a balanced way, you're not just hustling and struggling and just doing ego work. Your work is inspired from the guidance you receive. And that's when I realized that balance is where it's all at. And to truly embrace and help the feminine to rise, we have to heal and embrace the divine masculine as well, which is where my second book, 
Lightworkers Gotta Work, a practical guide to following your purpose and creating change in the world is based on and follows from. Yeah. Long story, but you get the point. No, I loved it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that we can all see ourselves in parts of your story. What I'm noticing is that there's these like life soul lessons that we have in, in this, this lifetime. And you, it comes up, it comes to the surface and then you think, okay, I, you know, I did it. Check, check that box off the list, but then it comes back around and then maybe it comes back around again. And, and to me, it's like universe is showing us, spirit is showing us that you, yeah, you made some progress that first time. Yeah. You're, you're starting to hear us. You're starting to get the point, but there might be these really big soul missions or messages that we experience that keep coming around, whether it's in the type of uh, romantic partner that we are attracting over and over again, or jobs that burn us out over and over again, or in your case, just really this, this relationship with the, the masculine and the patriarchy and it over and over again. And there's so much, I think, to be gained in those recurring things in our life when we actually pause and go, okay, I'm not going to try to control this transformation or what I'm supposed to learn from this thing in my life. And instead, I'm going to surrender to what this has for me, what lesson, what, what message, what learning this has for me in my life. And I've seen my own recurring lesson, especially around not feeling good enough. And it started, you know, as a little girl trying to be the perfectionist and type A and literally straight A student. And this is not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And it shows up in these different scenarios in my own life. And it's, I think it's still actually something I'm still working on is, can I truly believe that I am good enough? Uh, and it's just interesting to see that there's recurring lessons. And I, when I look at it from the like higher self perspective, I think this is not just a lesson that you check off the list in a day. This is a lesson that you incarnated into this body to really embody the entire energy of this lesson, to really, really master this mission in this lifetime. And maybe mine is learning how to be good enough. Maybe yours is learning how to really beautifully balance that masculine and feminine and find both of them within the other. And I see so many light workers, regardless of whether they know they're a light worker or not yet, holding themselves back from that shining because of comparison, because of not holding up the mirror to the shadow and trying to avoid the shadow and of looking for this external validation when really we have to validate ourselves. We have to find it within ourselves to say, no, this is what I'm most passionate about. This is what I want to do. This is what my purpose is. I don't care what anyone else has to say about it. I'm going to move forward anyways. And so what would you say to someone who is still feeling the nerves, the comparisonitis, the the hesitation of really stepping into their purpose as a light worker, even when, because I talk to these women and they're like, I've been through this, 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 this. They have been through so much in their life and their own soul mission and messages are coming through. But there's still this like barrier, this wall that says, but I, I'm not as good as her or who am I to do this? Did you account, encounter that? And also, what would you say to the people who are still kind of in their cave? Oh my God. Oh my God. Such a beautiful question and topic. And of course, I experienced that all day long and it's part of my purpose as well. And what I want to say to anybody feeling all these limiting beliefs is that this big issue that, in, and I use quotation mark to say issue or problem or problems that you feel you've been facing your entire life are part of your life purpose. And how more beautiful could it be if you take all those struggles that you face and turn them into, let's say, for example, a business or a book or 
use them in a way to empower yourself and other people. This is how you transmute something from a problem to an opportunity. And um, it's interesting because I wrote Lightworkers Gotta Work to help Lightworkers get really specific on their life purpose. And in, in, at the start of the book, I share my three-step process to not just finding your life purpose, but really defining it in a two to three paragraph definition so that people have a very solid definition. And part of that process is I guide readers to um, explore the moments of happiness they experience in their life because I feel that our happiness is in direct correlation to what our life purpose is because we're born happy and we're also born from source because we are source. So the two have to be synonymous. Our happiness, the essence, our original essence, and our purpose have to be in the same vibrational frequency. So I guide people to go back and identify their happy moments and then start making links. And now while I was hearing you talk, I'm like, great, there is so much to be gained from happiness, but there is also so much to be gained from all the grief and the down moments that we have. I feel, and this is something just came up in my mind while you were talking, I feel that our happy moments, the thread of happiness through our life helps us define our life purpose and our struggles give us the content for that life purpose so we can express it in books, in courses, in podcast episodes so that we can create, like, isn't it so beautiful when we can use the light and the shadow together to fuel our purpose? So to anybody listening, feel like, oh, I compare myself too much. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm like, great. Teach about that. Mm-hmm. Heal by teaching about that. Document your journey of healing. That is your message to the world. That is your content. That is your teaching. Yeah. If I hadn't wrote my two books, I would still probably, uh, probably I would have committed suicide mm-hmm. because I healed so much <laughs> by writing the books. And you know what? I now mentor people to write their own books as well. And it's, just, it's not just a matter of just like blowing everything on, on a piece of paper and say like, blah, here it is, my whole story. That's a book. That's not a book. That's therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, only, <laughs> it's only after you've done that and then you've found closure that you're able to write a book and turn it into content. But that is your content. <laughs> yeah. You're right. And actually, my husband was just asking me about a a book I'm reading and he was the author. He was like, why, you know, what makes her such a great writer? She seems to be blowing up. Everyone loves her. And I said, she has so much shadow that she she pours out. She is raw. She is authentic. She lets us into her darkest, most embarrassing moments. And that is where we feel her as a human and not as this perfect, you know, this perfect energy that we're trying to be like, and instead she gives us permission to be ourselves. And that is that, like, I love the way you just said that those happy moments maybe guide us towards our purpose, but the shadow is really the, it is, it's what provides the content. And, you know, so in, in my business, sure, I write some content around celebrating something that amazing that happened in my life or my business. But most of my content is about the shit I've been through, the challenges I've overcome, and not just, hey, this happened to me in a victimized way, but instead, hey, this is what I experienced and this is what I learned from it. This is how I overcame it. And here's how you can too. And here are even maybe some some pieces of guidance on how to do that. And again, it gives all of us permission to be human and to realize that we're not alone in our pain. Whereas I think a lot of what mainstream media tells us is that like, we shouldn't feel that, like don't feel the pain or even just for me, the education system that I was brought up in, like, don't, you know, don't have negative feelings. Don't be sad. And, and then like the way my parents raised me again, they're wonderful, great parents, but at the same time, like there's a lot of shadow that then accidentally gets projected onto children. And a lot of that to me was, be fine all the time. Take care of your stuff. You know, be responsible. Don't bother me. <laughs> Entertain yourself, and uh, you're gonna have to figure it out on your own. So I want to go back to the divine masculine and the divine feminine because I'm sure there's some people listening who are are still curious, still wondering how do I really, 
how do I really embrace both? Whether you feel the person listening feels they are currently mostly in the masculine or operating mostly in the feminine, how do we meld and bring these things together so that, I mean, your story is a beautiful example of how bringing them together creates more fulfillment and joy and purpose in your life. But where do we start? How do we get there? Okay. First of all, what you've just shared is a perfect example of this balance between masculine and feminine in the sense that when you're sharing from the heart and you're allowing yourself to be honest and raw with your audience, this is the essence of the feminine energy. And then when you're using that as a way of teaching others, that's where you're bringing the masculine. Just popping in because as some of you know and have seen me share recently on social media, my husband and I have been going through a lot and we had been recently trying to get pregnant. And in the process, first of all, as a woman with numerous autoimmune diseases, there was a lot of nerves. I spent three years detoxing my body. I spent a long time balancing my hormones and I'm almost 33 years old, so I just wanted to to get a simple blood test to help me understand what my ovarian reserve was looking like. And that test specifically measures for anti-malarian hormone or AMH, and it helps to indicate the number of eggs a woman has left in, within her ovaries. And so this test from letsgetchecked.com allowed me to prick my finger. And I will not lie to you. It took me a little while to get enough blood into the little vial. <laughs> but once I had enough blood in the vial, it's it's a very small vial. You literally just twist it tight, twist it closed. And after that little finger prick and drip of the blood into the vial, you send it on its way. And it hooks up to an app so that within several days, you actually get those results back. And in, in my case, I got to see where I was and, and I found out I was in a very normal range as far as number of eggs left in my ovarian reserve. But there are many other tests that include STD tests, which is great if you're looking for privacy and don't want to go into a clinic. All these tests you can do from home, especially if it gives you the heebie-jeebies to go into a, a lab center where, you know, there's a bunch of other people around or if that induces anxiety, you can do this from home. Some of the other ones that I was especially interested in are the C-reactive protein test. And this is also a blood test that helps you determine the inflammation levels in your body. There is a sexual health tests. There are uh, omega level tests. There are iron level tests. There are folate B vitamin level tests. There's cortisol level tests and so much more. So if you're looking to get more information on your overall health and wellness, I'm excited to introduce you to a brand new partner of the Uncensored Empath podcast. They're called Let's Get Checked. And their mission is to provide professional health testing that is easily accessible and ensure that no individual ever puts off a test due to not wanting or being able to visit a healthcare provider. They're also very affordable, and you can get 20% off with the code EMPATH. I will provide that link below. Again, that's code EMPATH for 20% off any of the Let's Get Checked tests that you can do from the convenience of your home. Let's just define the terms first so we can talk about how we can start balancing them. So the divine feminine is, first of all, the divine feminine and divine masculine are the two primal energies that make up source and therefore everything in life. So we have it within us. It's part of the whole DNA of life. Now, the divine feminine and feminine energy is this unstructured, fluid energy that's all about resting and receiving and creating, but creating in a different sense and not in an active sense. It's a... I say that resting is as productive as taking action because that's what the feminine energy is, is that period of nurturing and preparing something to be born into the world. Mm -hmm. So that's the energy of nurturing and uh, trusting our intuition and letting go and just allowing ourselves to receive. Mm 
And then the divine masculine energy and masculine energy in general is all about taking action, moving forward. It's more structured. It's all about planning. It's all about creating. And the two energies, as I said, from my story, they work together. So what you've just um, shared with us is a way of balancing the two. And what I'm sure you've done to bring yourself to that stage, because I've been following you for years, I know your story, you've connected a lot with nature, you've connected a lot with the earth, and you use essential oils and so many different natural products to help yourself come there. So what I teach in Lightworkers Gotta Work is that when we reconnect with nature, we find that balance very instinctively because we are part of nature too, and because that balance is part of who we are. So when we don't know what our soul's essence is and we see our soul as just masculine or as just feminine, which is what we're trained to do as we're growing up, we're taught to go to school, get the grades, follow certain formulas for success, that's masculine, 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 mm-hmm. that creates a false identification and perception of what our soul's essence is, then we see the world from a masculine perspective. However, when we remember what our soul's essence is, and we do this every time we meditate, every time we go out in nature, every time we allow ourselves to just let go and just let go of all these structures, Mm -hmm. we naturally return to this balance. So I teach that it's something that comes very instinctively when you take the time to consciously connect with nature and therefore with yourself as well through your spiritual practice. For example, In our spiritual practice, when we meditate, when we do yoga, when we pray, when we do mantras, and we come into this sense of connectedness and and alignment with who we really are, in that moment, we are perfectly balanced in masculine and feminine energy. It's just up to us to take this inspired guidance that flows through during these moments and express them, therefore use masculine energy, and not allow all the external structures to come in and ruin this balance that we've uh, created. Mm-hmm. So this is the natural way of finding the balance. Now, something more practical because everybody likes practical processes. Mm-hmm. Aside from having our daily spiritual practice that helps us maintain this balance in a consistent way, I like to plan my day, my week, my month, and my year in advance and ensure that there are There is balance in masculine activities and feminine activities. Mm. For example, every single day, I make sure that in the morning, I spend three hours for my spiritual practice to ensure that I nurture some of that light, some of that feminine energy, and then I balance that up with action-taking. That's inspired. That's not hassle-driven. I make sure that my weeks, I have enough time to work, but at the same time to rest. Same with my month. And when I plan my year at the beginning of the year, I make sure I have trips like planned for the entire year because I know that my default state is masculine. So if I don't plan for feminine, then it's, I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a combination of using practical uh, processes to manage our day. But at the same time, this has to be driven from our daily spiritual practice, from our daily feminine practice, because through the feminine, we find the masculine. Yeah. And vice versa. What would some examples of being in the feminine? So I think of allowing there to be free time or nothingness or just sitting outside or any sort of spiritual practice would all be more in the feminine, right? Versus the masculine parts of your day would be more of the doing the work and sitting down with some sort of structure. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and it's so important that in light workers gotta work. I distinguish between light work and ego work. Okay, now it's important that the masculine work we take is not ego focused. It's not ego driven, meaning that it has to come from a place of connectedness with who we really are. If it's not, it's so easy to fall back into the hustle culture. So that's why in the book there are four parts. The first part is called find your purpose, where we find and establish what our purpose is. The second part is called nurture your light, which is all the feminine activities about meditation and spiritual practice and nurturing all that light by going out in like places of power. I talk about star bathing and moon bathing as a way of lighting up our own inner light. So we're nurturing this light. Third part is about working your light. And that includes manifestation processes that help you 
receive inspiration from the life you've nurtured as to the specific action steps you need to take that are related to your life purpose. And then part four is all about protecting your light, which we move on into energy and psychic protection, a whole different topic. But essentially, the action taking, the masculine energy taking has to be based on the feminine. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And it allows there to be flow within structure and structure within flow, which is innately combining the masculine and the feminine to work with us and for us in our life. Now, you mentioned psychic protection, which I think is something I, I want to make sure we have a second to talk yeah. about because there's you know hundreds of, of empaths listening and I get this question all the time. People are always asking me, you know, Sarah, I'm feeling so overwhelmed by like energetic, uh, like just feelings or literal energy vampires or life just feels too overwhelming and I'm drained all the time. And, you know, part of it is in the 3D, part of it's more in the spiritual realm. But I'd love your take on how do we protect ourselves as psychics and empaths. Oh, perfect. So the way I defined energy or psychic protection is the art of being energetically authentic. Here's what I mean. Okay. So we have an aura, we have an energy field as we walk through the world every single day. Our aura, if unprotected, it's like a sponge that attracts all sorts of different energy from different people and spaces. In the book, I talk about the five different types of psychic attack psychic daggers, low-level spirits, uh, residual spatial energy, collective thought patterns, and toxic cords of attachment. So we have all these different energies coming to us. Now, because our aura has like seven different layers that are connected to our chakras, so we have a connection between the spiritual, uh, our spiritual bodies and our physical body, whatever happens energetically fits through into our physical body. And we have... uh, illnesses, emotional illnesses, mental illnesses as well. So if we don't regularly protect and clear our energy, then we are, we are allowing other people's energy to control the way we think, the way we feel, and therefore the way we act. Therefore, we cannot be authentically ourselves. Our energy is not authentic. And if our energy is not authentic, how can we follow our life purpose? How can we follow our life purpose for the aim of helping create this world that we're desperately trying to create right now? So the world's changing and the new earth that we're creating and us fulfilling our life purpose depend on us having a clear energy so we can work our light authentically. If we don't, then we're not following our life purpose fully and we're not going to find this sense of fulfillment. So how do we go ahead? to clear ourselves from uh, all forms of psychic attack. Now, I have a three-step formula that I guide people through in the book. Step one is you have to identify what's there on your, on, in your aura. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like, you don't know what to clear. And I have like a downloadable meditation in the book that allows you to turn on your 360-degree psychic vision so you can scan what's there to release it. So that's step number one. Step number two, you have to clear. And step number three, you have to shield. Now, some people shield before they clear, but what that does is shielding all the attack inside. (laughs) So we have to clear before we shield. Now, I focused only on elemental processes to clearing and shielding because I believe that all the answers we seek are in nature. As I said in the beginning, the earth has been here for four point something billion years. We've only been here for a few thousand years. Yeah. The earth has survived so much. It's the, it's the most, the elementals basically, the nature spirits who've been running the earth for so long. They have all these psychic clearing processes that we need mm-hmm. uh, to help clear ourselves. That's why rather than bringing on like, angels and archangels. I wanted to work with the earth's energies because the energy has a track record (laughs) of clearing and surviving. And we can see that. So why not borrow some of those techniques? Mm -hmm. So 
I'm just going to introduce a few, like two of the processes that I have in the book, one for clearing and one for shielding. For clearing, I like to work with the dragons. Now, dragons are elementals, therefore nature spirits from the element of fire. And when we call upon the fire dragons to bathe us in the dragon fire, which is an etheric kind of fire that burns away all the types of psychic attack we've absorbed and therefore clearing us completely. So in the book, I include this step-by-step process about using dragon's breath Mm. to clear our energy. And anybody can just ask the uh, collective essence of the dragons or their guardian dragon. We all have one or we all can have one to come in and meditation and visualization uh, clear our aura. Mm. And then when it comes to shielding, now, shielding is basically like wearing a coat before you go out on a cold night, for example. Many people say, oh, uh, by shielding myself, I am cre- attracting more attract because I'm feeding fear. I'm like, in the same sense, you would choose a weak password online when you, when you choose your password, or you would go out naked because why, <laughs> like, what's the problem of, um, why protect myself if I'm going to attract fear? Or I'm just going to go out um, in a dark a street at night by myself. I'm like, no, you're going to take the necessary precautions to protect yourself. So why not take the same energetic precautions as well? So that's the reasoning behind shielding. So with shielding, I like to work with the spirit elementals, specifically the unicorns. Now, unicorns, we all have our own personal unicorn spirit guide, which is a spiritual extension of our soul. It's basically our soul manifesting in the form of a unicorn to grab our attention and help us to work with it. Now, unicorns, our unicorn spirit guide is the authentic representation of our soul, of who we are. It knows our life purpose and what we can do to follow and fulfill it. And because it is an authentic representation of our soul state, it can help us return to the essence of our soul, and therefore to return to that state of joy and happiness and love that we've had when we, um, when we were born into this world. Mm-hmm. So I like to ask my unicorn spirit guide to bathe me in rainbow light or the rainbow ray, which is a, vi- a very high vibrational kind of light that raises the vibrational frequency of all your chakras and your aura. And it's not like shielding, it's more like bathing. It's upgrading the frequency of your aura because you can only attract attack, psychic attack, to the degree to which that you're a vibrational match to it. If your vibration is high, you can only attract high vibe people, high vibe experiences, high vibe energies. If your vibration is low, that's when you're vulnerable to attack. So the aim of shielding is raising your vibration so you're just not a vibrational match to right. any sort of, uh, of psychic attack. Yeah. So there are so many more processes in the book, but these are all basic processes that anybody can use mm-hmm. to clear and shield their energy. I love that you really focus on the elementals. And I think that's a really powerful approach. And two things came up first. Well, first of all, now I really need to read the book. because I need to learn about all these different spirit animals and spirit guides. But it's so interesting because when you're talking about the fire of the dragons, I had a client last week tell me he, he's been working so hard on, on clearing a lot of old energy and protecting himself and just really discovering he's an empath. And he said, I don't know why, but my intuition has just been showing me fire as a way to clear energy. And he has been using it so effectively. And like, I can't take any credit for that. He, his own intuition showed him that that was the way to clear the energy and do this powerful visualization around it. And it's been working really well for him. And then when you were talking about the unicorns, I actually thought back onto like year one and two of my business and how... I was so drawn into this unicorn energy that was so true to herself and so aligned with her purpose. And I used unicorn imagery in my business and I was just really tapped into the energy of the unicorn. And now it makes so much sense that I was stepping into this very like shielded, I'm going to do what my soul is telling me to do and step into my purpose, regardless of what people think. I'm going to let that kind of bounce off of me as if I do have this shield up. And I just... I can see that in my life and in my clients' life so clearly in a, just a really natural way 
And so I, I can only imagine what using your specific practices that are laid out in the book how powerful that would be. So. I remember you talking a lot about unicorns because yeah. when we first when we first met, it was when you were first starting out as well. And then there was so much unicorn energy in your branding and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's all coming back to me right now. And it makes yeah. perfect sense because you were connecting with your soul and that unicorn was a representation of your authentic energy and it helped you come to this, uh, this point right now. Exactly. Yeah, I... I now I want to go back and like look at all of my my, <laughs> my memories on Facebook and Instagram and see like wow I was so tapped into that and I didn't even realize why or I didn't completely understand what was going on I just trusted that this is what I was supposed to do. Yeah. The unicorn kept coming up and coming up and I had clients that were telling me when I see a unicorn I think of you and <laughs> it was working really well as as like a brand but eventually I feel like I I I learned that lesson I kind of I yeah. I received that message that you became the unicorn, so you no longer needed to portray it in any way. Yeah. So now I don't really. Use, I mean, I still love. I love me some unicorns, yeah. but I don't. I don't really use it in my branding anymore. And uh, again, it makes perfect sense. Okay, George. So, oh, how do we want to wrap up here? This has been so wonderful. You provide so much just uh, amazing wisdom and guidance, especially for the empaths of the of the world and those who listen to the Uncensored Empath Podcast. I'd love to wrap up uh, by uh, let's do one last piece of advice for the light workers of the world, especially during the the context that we're living in right now. What last piece of advice would you give to the light workers who are just stepping into their life and learning how to work their light? Rather than advice, I want to finish with a question. So mm-hmm. I want to ask everybody listening: Imagine what it would look like if you had a crystal clear definition of what your life purpose was. And I'm not just talking about, oh, I'm here to help people heal or I'm here to help make the world a better place. A crystal clear definition. And imagine what it would look like if you knew when to surrender and when to take action very instinctively towards that life purpose. Mm -hmm. How would you and how would the world be different if you showed up with this amount of clarity every single day. That's where it's all at. Mm -hmm. And that clarity feels so good once you go on that journey of receiving it and you start to get that clarity. Oh my gosh, it feels so good to feel. Oh, I feel clear. And I've been seeking that clarity for so long. I know I experienced that in my life and in my business. So George, thank you so much for being here today. Where can everyone find more about you and purchase your book? So my book is called Lightworkers Gotta Work. And the biggest message of the book is that the world won't change sitting in meditation pillows all day long. The world changes when lightworkers like you and me light up and take consistent action towards following and fulfilling our life purpose. So it is a step-by-step guide to finding, following, and fulfilling your life purpose by embracing both the divine masculine and the divine feminine energies so that we not only know our light, but we work it to create big positive change in the world. And if you go to georgelizas.com forward slash light work, you'll be able to pre-order the book that comes out August 19th. And when you pre-order and enter your receipt number in that page, you'll be able to get a free live two-hour masterclass with me entitled, entitled Life Purpose Bootcamp. In that masterclass, I'll guide you through my signature formula to define your life purpose. So when the book comes, you already know your life purpose and you start working and nurturing your light. Of course, I'd love to uh, hear from you on Instagram. You can find me there at George Lizos. And you can join my Facebook community, Your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook group. George, you are such a light. And thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today. Thank you so much for having me. You all know that the Uncensored Empath Podcast is part of a network produced by Soulfire Productions. And this is an amazing group of podcast hosts. And we're growing. There's more podcast hosts coming into this community. We have masterminds every month. And it's just a supportive, supportive place to be able to learn from each other and to grow. So today I want to take a hot second to tell you about Christina Rice and her show, Wellness Realness. She is also part of the network. And 
Uh, most recently, she's had guests on and, and talked herself about topics like mold and mycotoxin illness, about building confidence, about collagen for healing and he- healing from chronic mystery illnesses through dietary changes and leaning into spirituality. So I know that so many of you are so on board with so many of these topics that I want to make sure you know how to find Christina. Her show, Wellness Realness, publishes episodes every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, and it is your go-to show for a no BS approach to all things wellness related. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you loved today's episode and conversation with George. Don't forget to go check out his book, Lightworkers Gotta Work. All the links of everything mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes, and I'll see you next Monday for another episode of the Uncensored Empath Podcast. <laughs>